Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing pipes? Swinging your tools the more you gave up? Call us the tricks of your trade! Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter, don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade. Hello, welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Serson. I'm a construction adjudicator, I'm a lawyer, and I'm the director of Tricks of Your Trade. Uh, Today on my podcast, I want to skip back to the negotiation topic a little bit because uh, subcontractors are negotiating a lot of contracts at the moment and getting some really good outcomes. But there's a little bit of nervousness in the industry about the builders that are going broke and how many builders might be around to keep working for in the future. And some subcontractors have been saying to me, hey, I'm just really a little bit worried that if we push too hard with these builders with these contract terms, then they, they're not going to want to work with us. If they're the only builder left standing, we're going to have to work with them. So can we strike a really nice balance in terms of uh, being able to get what we need out of the contract negotiation, but also not just getting absolutely everything for the sake of getting absolutely everything? Now, I want to qualify. I never recommend that you go into a negotiation to rape and pillage the clauses that you needed in the contract from the builder. You need to leave that whole situation, uh, the whole negotiation, with everybody having a decent taste in their mouth, um, it's really important that your builder does feel like they had some agency and that you didn't just walk in and go, right, these are my terms, take it or leave it, because that's the way we've been treated for a very long time with builders who have been saying to subcontractors, look, here's my big scary contract, take it or leave it. So I acknowledge that that's the way we've been treated for a very long time. And Yes, it's it's really tempting to go back and do that to the builder and say, look, take it or leave it. This is how this is what I'm going to need in my contract. Take it or leave it. The problem with that is two wrongs don't make a right. And if we keep going on tit for tat like this in the industry with the tug of war of nasty contract terms, what inevitably is going to happen is when the balance of power shifts back to the builder's camp, which is inevitable, and particularly at the rate the builders are going into liquidation at the moment. There's fewer builders in the sand pit for us to work for. So we need to be mindful of preserving these relationships as we have these negotiations. So the really, really good thing about negotiating with builders is that logic is one of the most powerful things you can use. And in this podcast, I want to talk to you about how you can use logic in your negotiations to get what you want and logic-based assurances that will not only help the builder see your point of view. It'll actually build trust with the builder because the builder will know that you've actually thought about the job and how you're going to deliver everything you're supposed to deliver under the contract. So here's the thing. In my experience in the construction industry, there's a couple of things that are just completely undisputed. And if you're talking to any kind of construction industry professional, there's two languages that they speak better than any other language. And the first is industry standards and buildability logic. So if something needs to be done a particular way or if there's some kind of logic surrounding the clauses in the contract and what those clauses are asking you to deliver and how it just doesn't marry in or fit with your trade, 
you can have a really good logic-based conversation with the builder about why that clause shouldn't apply without even going anywhere near legal jargon territory. And that's your safest bet because not only will the builder see what you're saying in terms of they're going to understand your language really quickly and really fast, but you're also not trying to be something you're not. So subcontractors are not lawyers. Builders don't expect subbies to turn up and start talking legalese and talk, try to redraft clauses in the contract. It just doesn't work like that. And subcontractors who do do that sometimes spook the building. So if you can talk in terms of industry standards and buildability logic, in terms of the reasons that you need changes to your contract terms, you're going to be ahead. The second thing is good bloke common sense. So a really good example of this is uh, we've had lots of subcontractors, and almost all subcontracts actually say this, they have clauses in them that say, if there's an issue and the builder directs you to, that you have to urgently protect your work. Now, if there's a hailstorm coming and you're a roofer, how do you do that? So when you talk good bloke common sense and go, oh, what did you have in mind? Like, we haven't really put anything in our quote to protect the work, but are you saying that if there was a hailstorm coming, I'd have to protect the roof? How would I do that? And if you say it in a really good bloke, common sense way, the builder is likely to sort of stop and think and go, I don't know either. Can't see how, can't see how you do that either. And so then you start to think, well, why should this obligation be in, maybe this isn't a good fit. Maybe this is just not a clause that applies to my trade. So it could be applicable to something else. Um, it could be applicable, say, to joinery kickers or something like that, where you've got a trade that is typically, um, they have protection. They put protection over their work. But urgent protection is one of those things where almost every subcontractor is required to do it under their contract. And if you haven't thought about how you could possibly comply with that clause, uh, it's not too difficult to talk the builder into letting you take that one out. Now, the last one uh, that builders really sort of understand is when you can show somebody, you can show a builder that what they're asking you to do is impossible. If it's impossible, that logic, common sense reasoning comes to fore and the builder has to look you in the eye and how can they bring up a justification or say, oh, but you should because if it's impossible? Because if it is actually properly impossible, the builder's going to feel like a little bit of a wally saying, no, you have to do it anyway. I'm, I'm insisting that you're going to sign this. And a good example of that is where you've got a construction program that's three months old and the builder won't let you change the dates for PC in the contract. So you know it is physically impossible to finish your work by the time they say you have to be at PC. And the builder's saying, well, I can't change that date because that's where my date for PC is. Well, the builder's in a pickle because under their contract, time's already begun and time has already run. But at that point in time, maybe you haven't signed your contract. And so you're going to need to have that date pushed out. So if you can prove to the builder or even just demonstrate on a logic-based approach that something's impossible, almost always you'll get the builder to see that it's actually not reasonable to make you have that in your contract. Now, I like to try and stay away from saying to builders, look, this is just not fair. Um, you know, why should we have to have this type of stuff? This isn't something that should be pushed down on us. Because when you get into unfair, fair territory, it becomes tit for tat again. 
And what we don't want is tip for tap. What we want is contracts that are actually relevant to the work you're doing and deal with the circumstances that might arise and how the parties are to deal with those things. So when you are negotiating your contract with your builder, you have a real opportunity to have those conversations in a really good common sense, logic-based approach. First started witnessing this type of style of negotiation when I was a really, really green baby contracts administrator, brand new, working for builders. I'd worked client site for a little while. That was a little bit more heavy handed where we were doing tenders. So everything was very sterile and there wasn't very much um, collaboration in that process. It was really one sided. It was like you put in a bid and we'll give you the job. When I started working for builders, I worked with a commercial manager who used to bring the subbies in for the post-tender meeting and ask them a hundred questions about the drawings. He would, it was almost like he would ask them as if they had been the estimator who had done the tender for the head contract. He would ask them, right, so when we do this section of the work, where are you going to be putting your gear and how many guys have you got organised for that? And how are you going to reach this bit? And have you thought about how you're going to interface this with this? And how long's that? piece of material going to take to get here and he would absolutely ask them 100 questions and if they stood there and looked at him with the mouth open deer in the headlights and they did not know their way around the drawings they didn't know they hadn't contemplated how they were going to logistically do the job he didn't know how many people he'd allocated to a particular area or you know it could have been a situation where they haven't even spoken to suppliers in terms of lead time items then that subcontractor typically, regardless of their price, was not going to get a look in on the job. So when I started working with subcontractors, this is something that we started to implement with subbies was this is your opportunity to interview the builder as well because if you're talking to the builder's CA and they don't know who the foreman is, they haven't let the service trades yet, they don't really know when commencement's going to take place, there's some design uh, goalposts that are still moving, haven't really locked in place, what type of crane they're using, don't really know many of the big ticket logistical things. That's going to be alarm bells for you because if you're being signed up at this point, there's too many things that are still changing for you to have a, a set in stone scope. And that's where contracts administrators can really go wrong is if they try and let their trades too early and they don't really know what the circumstances on site are actually going to be, then they have problem with the unlet scope where they might miss things from your scope of work um, or they might try to break up trades later on in the piece and there'll be components that are not covered by people's scopes of work. So when you are going into a negotiation with your builder, what I want you to think about is what is really important to this person? What are they going to be worried about with this job? Is there hardly any access? Are we really close to the boundary? Could we possibly have problems with neighbours? Think about it as if you are the builder. Even though you're one trade going in to negotiate a subcontract and only a portion of the work, it's dangerous to think about your role as only for your trade because if you just think about your trade, it's like driving down the highway on a five-lane highway and just looking at your own lane. You need to be looking at all of the lanes to see who's going to come and interfere with your progress. So bear that in mind when you are going to a post-tender interview with a builder that if you can put yourself into the CA's shoes and go, okay, what value can I add here? This builder's probably really worried about access. There's no parking. We've got to bring in six-metre-long columns on trucks. We're going to need road closures. 
Um, perhaps if you're the plumber, you're doing the, the um, sewer connection to the main sewer and it might be in the road reserve. So there might need to be a letterbox drop or something like that. If you are one of those trades where you can offer some more value to the builder by anticipating what they will be worried about, you will build trust in those negotiations. And that's how you get into the nitty gritty of negotiating your contract terms because you don't come at it from a list of things you want changed. What you can do is you can phrase in your departure schedule, we have some concerns that we may not be able to do this because the road reserve is six metres wide, but the location of the connection will be here. Um, it's going to be right next to the main road. This particular contract says that we're required to obtain all permits, um, pay for any road closures or any kind of fees associated with that. That's not included in our quote at this stage. Do you want me to give you a price for that or are you guys going to change the scope of work? And you see how rather than just crossing it out in the scope of work and saying nothing and then not having a conversation with the builder until that actual piece of work comes around and everybody has to work out who's doing it, you're really having that logistical good bloke conversation now and saying, listen, who's going to be doing this work? Who's going to be doing the letter letterbox drop? Who's going to pay the fee to council for the footpath closure? Has that taken place yet? That might take so many weeks to get put into place. We had programmed for this connection to be done then. And you see how suddenly, rather than just talking to your builder about, no, that's not included in my quote, you're actually collaborating from a whole of project perspective. And the builder is going to be so grateful because these contracts administrators who are starting up big jobs like this in the early stages have got so many different trades to think about. And when they get the quotes from Tender, it's difficult to really tell which which tender or which subcontractor has included everything that's required if everyone's just excluded things, particularly if you've just got catch-all exclusions, just like the builder's got the catch-all inclusions in their scope of work. If you put catch-all exclusions like road closures, things like that, into your quotes and the builder's seeing all these exclusions, but the CA might not have realised that, oh, this actually has to happen at this location, they may not be as across their drawings as you are. So the purpose of this podcast wasn't to uh, give you a crash course in negotiation. It was more to bring to your attention the dangers of trying to lawyer your builder. Because if you go into a negotiation, particularly for a contract, a new contract, you guys are all embarking on a happy, um, you've won this project. It's a happy thing. You should be excited about this new prospect. And everybody's usually pretty happy with each other at the start of the job. But if you go into your contract negotiation with 100 departures on a departure schedule that all try to lawyer the builder, all that will happen is the builder will get a little bit spooked about what is going on here. Um, guys, I have to be upfront and say I'm not trying to discourage you from having departure schedules or asking for changes in your contract. That's not the intention of this podcast. The intention of this podcast is to show you that if you want departures, spin it in a logical way with the reasons why in a practical sense that can't happen. It's impossible. It's not in accordance with industry standard. Um, there's a common sense reason that this will not work because those things are non-threatening. Those things are our default language in construction and builders will recognise that in you and they'll go, okay, this person's actually helping me work through a logistical issue here and 
they've been through the contract to make sure they know what they have to do to comply with the contract. So uh, you might find that by taking that approach, you are far more likely to get brownie points uh, in your post-tender interview, build relationships, build trust with that person who is now going to recognise how intimately across the details of this job you are versus if you go into a negotiation with a list of legal jargon that you want to have changed and then try to battle over why that should be their risk and not your risk. So I hope this has been helpful. Uh, I do try to keep it pretty short with our podcasts, but I haven't done a podcast in a little while because we've been extremely busy. So uh, I have got quite a lot uh, of new concepts and new ideas to get across to you guys in the next few podcasts. So I'm hoping that you like the change of pace and the negotiation uh, topics that we're going to be talking about because we are about to go into the next launch for negotiation school and it's going to be the last launch for 2023. So last round, last time you can do negotiation school through um, Tricks of Your Trade for 2023. So we won't be holding it again until February next year. So really good idea to get in uh, and get onto our wait list for negotiation school if you would like to be uh, getting in there first. Uh, you can go to our website, www.tricksofyourtrade.com.au uh, and go to the negotiation school tab. We'll take you through to register for the wait list. So I'm really looking forward to the next couple of episodes of our podcast where I'm going to be drilling down a little bit more in terms of the negotiation topics. So make sure you stay tuned. If you have any questions about what I've talked about on this podcast, feel free to drop me a good old-fashioned email at questions at tricksofyourtrade.com.au. If you would like a systematic approach to your contract administration and getting paid, head on over to our website and check out the Subbies toolbox. You won't be disappointed there. And just one last time, our web address is www.tricksofyourtrade.com.au. Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing bugs? Swinging your tools more you gave up. Call us the tricks of your trade. Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter, don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade.